Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us simulcast stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. That game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We're going to be talking to McNeese play-by-play announcer Tom Hafer in the next segment. And then uh, Gerald Broussard an hour later at about 10.15. Other than that, phone lines will be open on this Pins and needles, pensive, whatever word you want to use it for scared to death, nervous, anxious, Friday edition of footnotes. I uh, We will talk, obviously, some about the Saints and this awful situation they're in, and they're just trying to kill me is basically what I've concluded in that. But um, last night, I, well, I'll tell you what. What the Dolphins are trying to sell is a tough sell. You know, I always try to really stay clear of injuries. You know, look, I'm so sick of the Saints injuries over the last three seasons. It's unbelievable. But I'm talking about individuals. Like, you know, there are a lot of people trying to say, and here we go, Plastic Man's hurt again. But, you know, there were people making all kinds of it. You just don't know about a guy's injury. You just... I decided years ago you just can't go down that road, you know. And and all I always go back to is is James Rodney Richard. When I was a freshman in high school, they said he was faking, and the man suffered a stroke on the field. So he wasn't faking, and they 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 misdiagnosed him. It was just gross negligence on the part of the Astros, and so you just. I'm not saying it, it is possible sometimes that guys are not on the up and up, but you don't know that, so there's no use going down that road. It's like, you know, with this James say, oh, he's hurt. That's why we have no idea. I don't even go down that road. I mean, because we have no idea. We're just guessing. Um, but it's a tough sell to say that the, when we see a quarterback bang his head on the ground Sunday, get up, fall down, get up, wobble like he's drunk, and then fall down, and you're it, it, it's hard for any of us to say, well, you know, there's no it's not a there's no concussion issues there. But that's that's what they're still trying to sell us. Why was he allowed to play in a Thursday game? I don't think many of us can really figure that out. I sat out and I I, I had a head football coach suspended an entire season because they're worried about getting sued and it didn't even happen for just, you know, for just ridiculousness. And we got a, a, a starting quarterback just wobbling and falling down in front of the world and they trying to tell us he didn't have a concussion and he plays on a Thursday night football game. 
You got to be kidding me. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. What that was a long time ago. Bounty Gate was ten years ago. Ten years later, after the Saints got, because uh, they so say so worried about getting sued because of hits, they completely sold the Saints down the river as a guinea pig. And 10 years later, we got a starting quarterback wobbling and falling and he's on a Sunday and he's playing in a Thursday night game? 10 years later? You got to be kidding me. That was, that, that is, that was awful. And do we know everything that happened? No. But I, I, I don't even know. Even if he didn't have a concussion, with everything that we're going through with all the rules and all the protective um, guidelines. How in the world can they let him play on a Thursday night? I, I just and, – and, and I was following the game on my phone, but I did not actually watch the game on whatever it's on, Amazon Prime, whatever it's on. I, I didn't actually watch the game. I saw the highlight of the play afterwards in which he was injured. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you miss when you follow the game on your phone, and you, and and you're not really watching it. And one of them is when there's a when 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 the thing when the situation never changes, whether it's baseball or football, and, and the situ- and you're like, wait a minute, and you keep hitting refresh, and it's the same screen. In other words, the clock doesn't move or the pitch doesn't move. You're like, something's up, and then obviously after our, shortly after, I found out what was up. There was a major injury. And so, I don't know. Uh, that's a tough sell the Dolphins are trying to sell us. Mike McDaniel's an inexperienced head coach, obviously uh, one of these offensive whiz kids. But um, uh, it was, I mean, he, he he spoke strongly about it, but it was hard to believe everything he was saying. And again, I, I don't... I don't blame Mike McDaniel because the head coach doesn't make that decision. I, I just I don't understand. I, I I think there are a lot of people around the country that don't understand how in the world was Tua playing on a Thursday after what we saw on the Sunday. Even if he didn't have a concussion, boy, that's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. And they got people who played football, ex-players all around the country, like we all know that wasn't a back injury. I mean, it's not just people like me or you who'd ever played football that are saying that. Guys who have been there, they're like, that was not a back injury. So it it is a tough, tough sell. Looks still look a little bit like a preseason game from what I could see last night. But, uh, you know, you know, who know the injury. They did score in the next possession and Teddy looked pretty sharp. But. Um. After that, things didn't go well. I, I mean, it, that game had all the earmarks of a Bengals. I mean, everything pointed towards the Bengals were going to win that game going in. Now, there were some moments in the game where you're like, well, they're actually playing pretty well. I mean, they might, could some. But um, I'm sure the Tua injury did not help the Dolphins' cause, not just from a uh, – 
a football standpoint, from, from an emotional standpoint, rough. So, uh, are they really going to play him next week? Like, they're claiming he's okay. I don't, I'll tell you what, they better not let him play him. Because if, if he – and I know they got a week and a half where they play again. I don't even know who they play next week, but it doesn't matter. I mean – if if he starts the next game and something anywhere near that happens again, boy, it is gonna. That is, I, I'm wondering if the players' association is gonna say, uh, "Let's he he can't play," and I know they don't really have that power, but they can try. I, I don't know. It just that just seems like a botch situation there. And 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 I don't want to. I try to stay away from. You know, so often things happen and we're prisoners of the moment. And But, I mean, I, I just – I think I'm not the only one that was like, I just saw the highlight of this guy wobbling and falling down. Why is he playing in a Thursday game? Like, it takes a while before – I don't know. That is – that's an iffy situation. Uh, we do have high school football. We'll talk about that schedule before we get out. At least that's the plan. We'll talk some Cajun football again with Gerald. And as for the Saints situation, it's just um, – look, it, it, it looks all signs point towards Andy Dalton starting, which may be a blessing in disguise because – we haven't really talked much about Andy Dalton has taken more snaps since the beginning of camp than Jameis Winston has. Well, at least in camp he did. Maybe he hasn't taken many snaps since the regular season started. But, you know, he's probably more prepared with the receivers, at least from a camp perspective and a preseason game perspective, than, than Jameis is. And, 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 and so could it work? Certainly it could work. Um. And right now, this game is so important. I'm at the point where other than, and and excuse me for cursing on the air, but other than Steve Young or Joe Montana, I don't care who would play quarterback. They just need to win this game. Now, I'd rather lose than have one of those two guys quarterback for me. But but um, but anybody else, I don't care. I mean, this is this is this has nothing to do with style or grace or anything. This is about win. They got to just win this game. I don't care if they win literally two to nothing on a cheat. Actually, I prefer two to nothing on a cheat. But anyway, I, I don't even care if it's two to nothing on a cheat. It is. They just need to win this game. I, you know, the uphill climb stuff, and then, you know, people are already going over the top. You know, making career analysis decisions on preseason games. I mean, it's just preposterous to me. But if they lose this game, then it's really going to go there. It's going to be just unbearable. So they need to win the game. Um, Plastic man's hurt again. It's just... just, I'm just so over-the-top sick and numb with disgust over these injury situations every week. I know one thing, the Saints, the, no Saints player is going to have to endure the awful thing like the situation, the seemingly awful situation with two and the – because they all hurt. Like, they, that ain't going to happen to any of the Saints players. They just all on the – they just all watch. Awful. Awful. 
We'll see. I think they match up fairly well with the Vikings, but the Vikings, as we're going to talk later, I mean, it, it just just a nightmare franchise for the just nightmare franchise for the Saints. I mean, it's just in an almost. I know people are saying it's not a must win. To me, it's kind of a must win. But anything resembling a must win. And you're playing the Vikings, your your number one or number two all time villain franchise, just awful. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears, talk some McNeese football with Cowboy play by play guy Tom Hafer. Next on the game. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to tell you about time to kill two birds with one stone. Well, you can help a good cause and do some early holiday shopping by um, taking part in the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction to be held on Tuesday on KDCG Channel 50.2 over the air. Uh, Cox 9, Charter 11, LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 p.m. And viewers can bid on a variety of things from gift cards to vacation packages, home decor, and so much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes and items can be purchased for pennies on the dollar. To make sure to tune in to the Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club Auction on Tuesday on KDCG. All right, we have with us McNeese play-by-play announcer, Mr. Tom Hafer. How are you, sir? Excellent, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Well, we got you got the win last week, like you like yep. you're hoping. But it, I, I got some news during the week. It kind of came with a cost. Sometimes when things are going bad, you just can't seem to get a break. It seems like. Yeah, um, Cowboys played pretty well. Not great. They did a good job running the football, which you know is something that you want to see as you go um, through the conference schedule. They play Incarnate Word this week, and and will really need to run the football and keep the ball away from their high-powered offense. So that was all good. Um, you know, they gave up some yardage to the to the Mississippi College team. They ran the option, the triple option. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's the assignment football that the defense is supposed to play against those. And, and I guess it was okay but not great. And, and Mississippi College just ended up with, with uh, a, a tremendous advantage in time of possession. That's one of the things they try to do. Uh, so it really – when McNeese ran the ball well and didn't pass particularly well, there just wasn't much time in the game. I think the game lasted like two hours and 45 minutes, um, which is great if, you know, you're, you got something to do after the game. Right. you got plenty of time to get in. But as far as the performance goes, it was pretty good. They did some things well. Um, you know, they um, 
They didn't have the sacks, no sacks. That's good. Um, they ran the ball well, and, and they were finally good on third downs, which has just been miserable up until that point. You know, I was going to bring this up later, but since you just brought up time of possession, the opposite needs to happen in this good in this game. When you look at Incarnate Word, the one thing that they're not real good at is possessing the ball, which they probably because they score too quickly sometimes. But they're they're uh, they're doing the average of twenty six minutes and twenty three seconds, and and the, their opponents hold it for the average of thirty two minutes and sixteen seconds. So after being on the other side of that time of possession, seemed like it's going to be real important for. McNeese to be on the positive side of time of possession in this game? Absolutely, no question. They can't go three and out, um, you know, multiple times in the ball game. McNeese's offense um, has has had a ton of three and outs and let, let the defense just get worn down. Um, the, the offense hasn't been bad, but when they've scored, it's been on a lot of, of big plays. Um, you know, a, a, 75-yard touchdown run, a 49-yard touchdown run, a 62-yard touchdown run, things like that. And you love to have that, but uh, but you really rather, especially against the Carnivore, you'd rather grind it out and frustrate them and, and uh, you know, just keep the ball away from that high-powered offense. They're really good. They, they beat Southern Illinois. Uh, they beat Nevada in FBS school. Um, they did lose last week to Southeastern and uh, on a last-second play, um, for for um, Southeastern to win it, and and that means Incarnate Word, who's the conference champions from last year, uh, they're zero and one in the conference. They can't afford to go zero and two. They will be ready and fired up and well coached and prepared and and uh, you know eager to play the Cowboys on Saturday. So I was a little surprised by that score. Did that did that not surprise you that they lost to Southeastern? Yeah, I did. Um, Nichols, had been, uh, excuse me, Carnot Words have been playing so well that, uh, that that it was a bit of a surprise. Southeastern did not get off to a good start uh, of the season, and uh, it, it's interesting. I think every school in the conference has a new quarterback, except maybe North, uh, Northwestern. So a lot of people just didn't seem to be on uh, firing on all cylinders to begin the, the season, and maybe Southeastern's turned it around and settled on some things over there, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Incarnate Word had played so well that 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 was a bit of a shock, and and uh, you know they dominated. I, I wouldn't say dominated; they had a decided advantage in all of the stats. Um, Incarnate Word did so. So Southeastern, you know, they they took advantage of what was given to them, and and they scored on that last second touchdown to win it. So. Getting back to to the McNeese running game, there were you know the news broke this week that one of the running backs is going to be lost and out injured. Uh, have you seen enough depth there, and how big of a concern is that? Um, yeah, D'Angelo Durham has played well, and and he did suffer an injury. Um, they're not saying how long he might be out or if he'll be out. They really aren't talking in in those terms. Um, Deontay McMahon is the starter, and and has been just completely electric this year, uh, really has looked good. He, he was good for the Cowboys in, in uh, the, the two different 2021 seasons, the spring and the fall, but couldn't stay healthy. And uh, he has stayed healthy so far this year and has looked really, really good. Um, I think he could handle the load. They, they've got a transfer from Colorado, uh, Colorado State, I believe, McElroy, who's pretty good, uh, big Big bruising back that they might use a little bit more if uh, if Durham can't go. So we'll see about that. Um, 
they've only really played two running backs so far this season, uh, with uh, with the exception of a couple of games in which there were, um, uh, you know, just running out the clock. In, in I think the Rice game, they played a couple of other guys just to get some guys uh, some snaps. But it's really been all McMahon and Durham so far. Well. You know, you mentioned Incarnate Word, and they're averaging 46 points a game, but they're giving up 31. I mean, you look at, like, first downs can be deceiving. They've got 100 first downs this year, but they've given up 95. You know, so it's not like somebody's moving the ball on them. Uh, So from what you can see, like, have people been running on them, throwing on them? What kind of is the crack in their defense? I'd say it's overall they've just they played good teams as part of that too. I mean, Southern Illinois is a ranked team in FCS that they beat. Uh, they beat uh, Nevada on the road out there. That's a good team. Those those teams put up some numbers against them. Um, I didn't see the stats um, from their third game, but but uh, Southeastern get, did get some offense. They scored what forty one points. So yeah, they they had some offense against them too. Uh, so yeah, that it's encouraging that, that if McNeese can run the football well, that they maybe could put up some points against them. I'm hopeful. Now, last week you had to stop. the. You talked about it, the discipline, the run, the triple option. This week mm-hmm. it seems like your pass defense is going to really get tested. So how, how does that look, and, and is that even a bigger challenge for the McNeese defense? You know, the McNeese defense has been pretty good. We came into the year looking at the defensive line as kind of the, the – um, you know, the, the strength of the defense. They really haven't gotten a lot of sacks on the year uh, so far, and I, I think they're going to need it. They're really going to need some pressure on uh, on Incarnate Word. Uh, you know, the defensive backfield was was um, down a couple of cornerbacks. They lost one of the starters, and then a, a guy played a lot that wasn't a starter uh, in the game against Alcorn. So so they, um, uh, they're going to be tested. And uh, uh, just the, every bit of help they can get from the defensive front, and maybe blitz some linebackers, maybe confuse them a little bit. Hopefully, to get some pressure on to, to to protect the defensive backs who are kind of inexperienced and, and really haven't come together yet as a unit. The other thing, just looking at their stats, and concerning I me, mean, they're com- they're converting. Me, talking about the Cardinals of Incarnate Word, fifty-seven percent of their third down, which is. I mean that's an alarming stat, uh, and, and so that 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 would concern me as much as anything. Obviously, they have a great play selection chart to choose from, and most of the time it's working. Yeah, they do. They they like to do these little quick passes that set up the seam routes and the and the, the pops downfield that score quickly. Um, T- Taylor Grimes is their best receiver, and uh, he burned us badly last year. We played him twice in the fall because of the, the Southland's contraction. You know, we, we, we had to play a couple of teams twice. Um, and Grimes was excellent against uh, the Cowboys. So that's a concern. Um, they get those short passes to set up third and manageable. And they use that also as, um, you know, to bait you into coming up a little too quickly. Maybe the safety's coming up a little too quickly, and then they'll pop it long. So so they're effective. Well, it, it, it worries you. All right, so – I, I'm a I'm a fan as long as it's done right and it doesn't get crazy uh, from a health standpoint. I, I'm a big fan of sports rivalry, a little sports hatred. So it sounds like there's a bit of a rivalry between these two programs. But it's got to be kind of tricky because you have a new head coach who really wasn't part of a lot of that. So how has Coach Golf handled that, and what impact do you think that could happen on ha- have on this matchup? 
he was asked that at the press conference uh, yesterday, and and he downplayed it um, uh, quite a bit. His focus, at least publicly, continues to be on we're working on getting the Cowboys better. So we we haven't seen that from Coach Goff. The fan base is, uh, you know, McNeese beat up on Incarnate Word for their first few years in the league. They came in, and I believe. Uh, 2012 or 2014, somewhere in that in that range, and McNeese uh, pretty much owned them and beat them pretty well. You know, it, some big scores. Um, starting in 20, I want to say 2018, Incarnate Word really surprised the Cowboys over there. They were not looking to be that good, and they they hit McNeese in the mouth. And uh, since that time, they have won three out of the last five games, and some of them by pretty good scores. Um, and there was also an incident in the spring last year. No, it was the fall. I, I, I get confused. There's two, two yes. 2021 seasons. I get confused. But, but they were uh, defeating the Cowboys in Cowboys Stadium. Yeah, that was in the spring season. And had a pretty substantial lead and scored a touchdown, throwing the ball with maybe you know 30 seconds left in the ballgame when they could have taken a knee. And that got the, the – um, uh, that got the the fans and the the students pretty mad about that. Uh, of course, it's a new coaching staff now, so so they don't have any any issue with that. There was another thing after the spring season. One of the McNeese receivers, Trevor Beggy, a kid out of I believe Karenkrow, out of that area, uh, who was a, a stalwart at McNeese for four years, he transferred over to Incarnate Word for his final season as a grad student, and that didn't sit too well with the Cowboy fans either. Uh, I, I respected the move from him simply because he was going to a high powered offense and could get, you know, could get to put up some numbers in that type of an offense as a graduate. I had no problem with it, but you know, some of the fans really didn't like that. And some of the players I think also uh, made that a a little bit of a rivalry um, because of that. Um, So, you know, McNeese got pounded by incarnate word in the first game last fall and then shocked the world with the win over them here at home in the second game, uh, the best game the Cowboys played all spring, all uh, fall last year. And uh, so I, I would imagine having lost to Southeastern, needing the win, having been beaten by the Cowboys uh, in the final game last year that, that we played against them, uh, they'll be ready for the pokes, and, they'll, and they'll be they'll be fired up. Right. They certainly that'll certainly got, get their attention, no question. Well, look, we you appreciate bet. your time as always, sir. Thank you very much, and have a safe trip. I enjoy talking with you every week, Kevin. Thank you. We'll uh, hopefully bring home a Cowboy win. Thank All you. right. Thank you. Uh, Cowboys are the underdogs. Um, the Cajuns are an underdog. LSU's certainly not an underdog. I haven't looked. I guess the Saints are an underdog. I haven't really looked. They probably are, especially now with probably the backup start quarterback playing. But, um, so got a lot of got a lot of underdogness with the teams that we talk most about here going into this weekend. Oh man, pins and needles, pins and needles. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears back, have some more thoughts on the Saints and the Vikings. Oh. Unbelievable. We'll be back. Footnotes on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? 
Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We want to remind you about one of the ways to win tickets to the 13th gate. You simply need to text GATE to 337-289-8100. Text GATE to 289-283-8100. And you might be able to win tickets to the 13th gate Haunted House Attraction. Again, that's text GATE to 283-8100. The 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Thank you. Um, Howdy, sir. I don't know if you heard Andres Pete was going to be out Sunday, too. Man, is that dude like... I know everyone complain complain about Teron Armstead being injured all the time, but I mean that dude's got to be in the same boat too, right? It, it it's just unbelievable. I, I just I just it's like I just can't take any more negative injury news. Like you know the and whole... Marcus May too. I, I think I heard I read. So this guy's just going to be hurt all the time, and then he's going to get suspended. That's going to be Marcus May this season. I mean. Okay. Anyway, so like it's just if you're it's unbelievable. Um, now this is just hypothetically speaking, right? If you're Dennis Allen and Andy Dalton has more success than what you had with Jameis Winston, can you put Jameis Winston back in? Well, yeah. I mean, you have to. Again, there is no future with Andy Dalton. Now, again, it will not surprise me at all. Well, like, if he performs better. And look, if Jameis is still isn't healthy, I said it last week. If if Jameis can't is really hurting so bad that if they give him a wide open field that he can't run four yards and slide to get a first down, then he don't need to be playing. So if Jameis is not if they win this week or he plays well, they play well offensively, and Jameis isn't healthy next week, then don't play him. He's got to be able to be healthy enough to play. And again, I have no idea what, you know. N- Everyone's speculating that he's playing poorly because of his health. We have no idea. It's preseason football. There's a million reasons why they could not be playing well. He didn't hardly p- practice all August. He was out most of the month with all these new players all around him. It's preseason football. But, but, but I mean, but no, I mean, he's got to be healthy first. And once they deem he's healthy, the problem is the problem with him being out, like this, I, someone called, um, and said, well, put him out and then bring him back. Well, the problem with that is he's going to still be in preseason mode and it's going to be midseason or late midseason, and we can't afford that either. So it just this whole is. Like, I think it's like. I'm just so disgusted with all of these injuries. Oh, no, you got to take him out if Jameis is healthy. But, like, dude, do you know how bad it's going to be? He's got to be healthy, though. Like, if they have some kind of success, you Look, can't take him out. It, it, 
they got to win some games. There's no question. Like this game, you got to win. But there's a ceiling with Andy Dalton. They cannot get to the playoffs and win with Andy Dalton. So we got to get to that point first. Right now, you got to win. Right now, you got to win. And then they got to, and again, it doesn't matter. Other than, like I said, Joe Montana and Steve Young, I don't care who the quarterback is. I mean, they just got to win. I, I'm not. I'm gonna worry about that later. They got to win this game. I know it's not. I know teams have overcome one and three before. I don't even want to go down that road. They got to win this game. Oh yeah, well yeah. The, the, and we'll worry about, about all that other stuff and all the stupid stuff sure we're gonna have to hear. That, uh, big later. flight that they had, you know, didn't help Jameis's back either. I mean, sitting down for hours, you know. I'm pretty sure that didn't help. Anyways, um, right. like. Then this feel, it, I know it's not the same at all. It feels like this Aaron Brooks and Jeff Blake kind of deal, like reversed. Yeah, this guy, this wild this veteran from Cincinnati come, and I don't know. It's, if, I, I don't know. I, I, like, anyways. I just, I, I, we I just need to win a game. Sunday. Let's win the and game like, first. Let's see how yeah. everything goes, and then we'll worry about Again, I'm not even – I get all of that, but I'm not even worried about that. Right now, they need to win this game. And they need to get players on the field that play that can play. I mean, it's just just never ends. It just never ends. These injuries like, and, and injuries and injuries. And like I, I brought up, like, there was there might have been a chance because their back's against the wall, right? And they get and they're gonna come out swinging, but like who's gonna be out on the field, you know? Sickening. It's it's pretty depressing. All right, Kevin. All right, let's get to go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. Listen, man. Let me call my call and break down the game for you, since we know, since we kind of know Andy Andy Dalton's gonna be in the game. Uh, I think it's gonna be a good thing. Uh. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the offense be a little bit more on time, on schedule. Uh, this is not the first week that Andy's been getting first-team reps. He got some first-team reps last week, and he was also involved in the preparation. Of course, they all are, but he did get some first-team reps last week uh, in preparation for the game. So uh, so I think this week is going to be is going to be uh, a really good test to see where this team can go. With him at the quarterback position, uh, I think you're going to see Kamara get involved in the game, in the passing game, a lot more with Andy. I absolutely agree. I I, I do uh, think that's the biggest plus here is is getting him involved in the passing game. I agree. And I think that opens up a lot for the receivers down the field. Uh, Alave, just, just kind of going back and watching the game again for a second time, Alave was – like open a lot. Uh, yeah, but all that down, down the, the most of that down the field stuff's gone with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I, I, I I'm not gonna say that. I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I think if if a receiver can get open, Andy will get you the ball. He's not gonna. He's not gonna throw the heat sink the heat sinking missile and throw it in tight windows. That's not his game. He has more of a game like a Drew Brees type game towards the end of his career. Where he, you know, he could lead the receivers. He throws with anticipation. So if he has receivers that are getting open, which we've been having receivers get open, 
you know, Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, those guys have been open. Jameis has been missing those receivers, and and he's been locked in on 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 certain players, which which hasn't bode well for him because you know he's putting the ball into into harm's way. Uh, this that's the reason why you saw those interceptions against Tampa Bay and whatnot. But uh, I think well, one of them, one of them, really... he threw. It was a punt, and the other one, the guy was wide open. He just overthrew him. One of them was an awful read, but the the other intercept. One of them was a punt that the, it was that's the receiver's fault, and, and and the other one, the guy was wide open. He just overthrew him. Yeah, but I, I think we see. I think we see the screen game getting a get a bit a little bit more into the game plan this week. Yeah, like I, I said, so. Kamara, yes. Kamara I getting involved into the passing game is going to open up the offense a whole lot. So uh, that's just that's just all for, for the for the best. I think I don't think it's a bad thing that that we see Andy. You know, just need a win in this game. No, I so, I, I agree. With, I agree with what you said. I I think getting forty one involved in the passing game is going to be a good thing. So. Uh, hopefully, yes, of course, uh, he, somebody needs to tell him to run hard more often than not because I hadn't seen a whole right, lot of that right. since midseason last year. But anyway, th- th- <laughs> thanks for thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking me. All right, bye bye. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I got one quick question for you, and we can talk about the game if you want. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I heard the end of a conversation. You used to have a caller named uh, Kyle. Mm-hmm. What, whatever happened to him? Oh, I don't know. We ha- hadn't heard from him oh. in a while. Oh, it just, just don't call no more. Okay, I was just wondering. But, uh, yeah, big game Sunday, I guess, huh? Well, it's humongous. I mean, they need to figure out a way to win. Again, teams have overcome one and three before and made the playoffs, but I, I just don't want to go down that road. I, I just can't take it. I, they need to win this game some kind of way. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, man. Well, all right. Uh, we'll see what happens. Have a good weekend. All right. Take care. All right. Let's do this. Let's take the time out now because I want to have a few more minutes on the other side of this last segment to do a little of the Saints history stuff that we've been starting. So we're going to do, we'll, we'll do that now. We'll take a time out. We come back. I'll give you, I tell you what, with the Vikings, it's hard to come up with, it's hard to narrow down to three of the worst losses or three of the best wins because there's, there's way more losses than wins. But the wins against a team that you hate that much are, are extra sweet, and the losses hurt extra bad. And so it's hard to come up with three, but I'll try after this timeout. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to tell you about the Sugarman Triathlon and Duathlon. Trail is putting on the big event on Sunday. That's this Sunday at 2 o'clock. No, this Sunday, August 2nd. Sugar Mill Pond in Youngsville. Spectators are invited. It's an all-road sprint, 5,500-meter swim, and a 15 Mile bike ride through Sugar Mill Pond Development. Volunteers will receive free food, drinks, and a shirt. For more information to register, visit latrail.org. Trail, by the way, is a nonprofit dedicated in building and improving outdoor recreation and local parks. All right. 
Started this at the beginning of the season, and, I won't, and this, this is not a division game finally, and so this is the only time they're going to play them unless they play them in the playoffs, which we don't want to think about that. But um, three best victories, in my opinion, over the Vikings ever. Number one, the very first one, 1978 season opener in 1978 season. Uh, Fran Tarkinen, who I couldn't stand, and the Vikings, who I can't stand, came to the Superdome. Uh, Tommy Myers had a 97-yard interception return for touchdown, and it was one of the first, if not the first, I'd have to go back and look, but it, it was when 31 started beca- a very, very early hint at 31 being a magical number for the Saints. Thanks largely to that 97-yard interception return, for a touchdown by by Tommy Myers, the Saints beat Fran Tarkin in the stupid Vikings, thirty-one to twenty-four. Great, 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 great victory. For those of you who don't know the history of the Saints and the Vikings, the first time the Saints ever made the playoffs was nineteen eighty-seven, and they played the Vikings in the playoffs uh, and got beat forty-four to ten. Then they played them in the regular season at Minnesota that next year. They got beat forty-five to three. Then they and the Saints were good. Like Saints had winning seasons all these years, be good teams. But then when they played the Vikings, they just got thrashed. So the and then the following year they played the Vikings again and got beat thirty-two to three. So they got annihilated in three straight games. So in nineteen ninety-one, the Saints played the Vikings, beat them twenty-six to nothing held the Vikings to six first downs and about 150 yards in total yards. That was a very, very, very satisfying win. Now, I'll have to to put, obviously, the NFC Championship game victory. Uh, Again, 31, they they scored to 28. Um, Saints cheated in that game, and I I took it. I, I take all cheats. I accept them. I'm on the other side plenty often. But, uh... Got a lot of help from the officials and went to the Super Bowl. So that's certainly got to be up there. But an honorable mention for me is 1985. The Saints traded for, for Earl Campbell. Bum did because, you know, he, the good years that he had with him in Houston. And, and Earl Campbell never did anything for the Saints except for this one game. At Minnesota, 1985, Bobby Abair had just kind of started being the quarterback. And Earl Campbell had 35 carries for 160 yards and a touchdown. Wow. Out of the book, completely washed up. Don't know how he did it. And won 30 to 23. The only thing that would have made that sweeter was if it would have been 20, 31 to 23. As far as the losses, um, the, the overtime loss 26-20 in the playoffs after the 2019 season, in my opinion, is the second worst loss, second most agonizing loss in the history of the Saints. They had gotten cheated that whole year by the NFL and the officials and then uh, uh, ended with a, fittingly with a bad call. So I'll put that one up there. Um, 2002, uh, he brought up the Aaron Brooks thing. Uh, you know, Aaron Brooks was injured. They kept playing him and – and a lot of people got really angry, uh, but Aaron Brooks put up, and the Saints offense put up 31 on this day. It was the beginning of a three-game losing streak that took the Saints out of the playoff run. But uh, Dante Culpepper had a two-point conversion and at the very end of the game and beat the Saints 32-31. to 31. 
And the other one I'll say, um, I guess I'll have to go the Minneapolis Miracle where they lost 29-24 in the 2018 playoffs. But my my honorable mention for this one is in in twenty in two in in 08, uh, Reggie Bush had two returns for a touchdown. The officials made a ton of bad calls in that game, and the Saints lost thirty to twenty-seven on Monday Night Football with a non-call pass interference late in that game that helped the Viking cause, and uh, that was an agonizing loss as well. So a lot of frustration, a lot of hatred, a lot of agony in this Viking series, at least for me, and uh, they, they just need to win. That's it for the first hour, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Frank and Tony Productions present for one night only. Band of Heathens Live. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. It is Friday, so we want to talk some high school football. It was Blowout City last night in the three games involving Acadiana area teams. Church Point beat Mamou. Forget John Curtis. Church Point beat Mamou 58-6. Abbeville beat West St. Mary in the St. Landry Parish game of the week 55-6. And Opelousas Catholic beat Menard 48-0. So, as we said yesterday, it wasn't a big night for Thursday night. Next week, not a big night either. The only Thursday night game next week that I know of is Vermeer Catholic hosting Covenant Christian. So, after having a lot of very busy with some really nice matchups on Thursday night, kind of early in the season, over the first four weeks, week five and six, not a lot of Thursday night football of much overall consequence. As far as tonight's game, if you would like to attend a high school football game and you live anywhere around Lafayette Parish, you don't have to. You got a lot of choices. Acadiana is hosting Como in a District 3-5A matchup. Lafayette High is hosting St. Martinville. And remember, Lafayette High is playing its home games this year at Lafayette Christian. Uh, Southside, uh, we talked to Coach Fontenot. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Coach Fontenot, Josh Fontenot of the Sharks. They're playing the Barb Bucks. Barb is 2-2. Two and two. Southside is 3-1. and one. And they will um, they they play their home games, Southside does, at St. Martinville. The Karen Crow Golden Bears. And by the way, you can hear that Southside bar matchup in one of two places if you want to hear the south side version of that with stevie p and matt then you want to listen to mustang 107.1 or the bar bugs version of it you can hear right here on the game 1041 like charles so you have options there depending probably if you live in the calcasieu parish area or if you live in the st martin parish lafayette parish area um Again, the Karen Crow Golden Bears off to a 3-1 and one start with that one loss being a very impressive one by Southside. They're hosting New Iberia. New Iberia is in a first year of Coach Josh Learman, and they, they've got a win under their belt. Um, 
Uh, they got a win under their belt, and they've played pretty competitively. Got a tough challenge here, obviously, going to um, to Karen Crow. And, again, that game can be heard on Z1059 FM. St. Thomas More is hosting an undefeated Denham Springs team. Um, and you can hear that game right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. St. Thomas More is coming off a loss to Catholic of Baton Rouge. And, uh, and, and Catholic, obviously, is very good. STM had really gotten off to a good start and was pretty impressive. Uh, um, let's see here what else we've got. The St. Landry Parish game of the week is really good. Arguably the best game of all of these in the Acadiana area, or certainly in the top three. You've got uh, Leesville, the Wampus Cats of Leesville, undefeated through four games this season, traveling to uh, Donald Gardner Stadium in Opelousas to play the Opelousas Tigers. And uh, Opelousas uh, has kind of fallen under the radar of some. Opelousas is 3-1 on the season. The only loss they had was a season-opening loss to Turlings, and, and, and they competed with Turlings in a lot of that game. And I remember Coach Chaponche saying, I'm telling y'all, Opelousas is better than y'all think they are. And Opelousas really ran the ball and controlled the clock in that game. And, um, and you know, starting to look like Dane might be right because Opelousas has won three in a row. They went on the road last week and and beat um, Santa Mall on the road from behind and won 28-21. So uh, that is a really nice St. Landry Parish game of the week. Should be a fun one for the crew to be doing that one. As far as elsewhere in the parish, I mentioned Turlings. Turlings is hosting Brobridge. Uh, Brobridge is coming off a, what was it, 28-21 win over Ascension Episcopal. Uh, and Turlings is coming off a... 38-14 win over Notre Dame. And so we'll see what happens in that old rivalry that's been going on for a while. A lot of people, and you know, a lot of people from Turlings go to Brobridge, vice versa. So that is, um, that's a that's a nice little matchup. 2-2 two and two Brobridge against 4-0 Turlings. Uh, Lafayette Christian elsewhere in the parish. Lafayette Christian is going to Avoyles. We talked about Avoyles with, with Dane a couple of weeks ago and saying how they play that real unique brand of football. So it'll be interesting to see. Does it sound like the way LCA plays defense? That's a great matchup for Avoyles, but it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. And who else we got in the parish? We mentioned Ascension Episcopal. They lost to um, Brobridge last week in a close one. Ascension Episcopal plays West St. John, who's 0-3 on the season. So this might be the beginning of a streak for the Blue Gators. We'll see how that plays out. As far as some other games in the area the, uh, of note, um, let's see. Cecilia is at Notre Dame. I think that might be the best other game in the area. Cecilia is three and one, um, and Notre Dame is three and one coming off that loss to Turling. So that's a really nice matchup between those two. And I think we've kind of touched all the other matchups that look really promising to me. There might be one more, and if I stumble across it, I've forgotten. I'll um I'll mention it a little later. Uh, in the show, another team that's kind of off to a good start that we don't talk a whole lot about is Delcom. They're three and one, hosting one and three Westminster Christian. So Delcom at home gets a one and three team could get to four and one. So congratulations to the Panthers on a good start, and it could get even better tonight. We'll see how that game plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. 
Uh, hi. Um, man, Andy Dalton's getting a lot of love this uh, morning out here on the station. Well, I mean, uh, that, you know, there there are a lot of people that don't want Jameis, never wanted Jameis, and don't like him. And, and you know, we'll see what happens with Andy Dalton. I, I'm not an Andy Dalton guy at all. I don't. I know that there's no future with Aaron, Andy Dalton. But, again, right now, other than Steve Young and Joe Montana, I don't care who plays quarterback. They just need to win this game. Um, you know, I heard a caller saying that, you know, Jameis missing a lot of uh, open receivers, which I'm sure some of that is true. But what gets me is he's the only player I ever, you know, when people uh, analyze, you hear these analysis, it's like Jameis has to play 158.3. You know what I, you know what that means. Uh, it's almost like they expect him to just have a perfect rating every game. You know, um, I think everything he does get blown out, get blown up. <clears throat> and and I like your concept. This is a team game. You know what I mean? We, oh yeah. You know, like I say, if Dalton goes in there. And he does what he does. You know, I wouldn't be upset. Like you said, the whole purpose of the of the game is to win the game. Um, but I, I just I don't know anything about uh, the Vikings' pass rush. I just don't see not that Jameis was doing it any better, but I don't see uh, Dalton scrambling just getting away from that. It, it, no, I but 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 I I think there's no question in my mind especially at this point in their careers, that Andy Dalton is going to be better at throwing the dump-off passes and is going to br- and do a better job. For whatever reason, Jameis and, and, and 41 have not been on the same page in the passing game. I, you know, And I think part of that is that's not Jameis's strength. I mean, it never has been his strength. So there's no doubt in my mind that Andy Dalton will, will throw the dump-off pass, the screen, or that little flare out the backfield that he's going to be – you know, his timing on that will be better and, and all of that. I, I don't doubt that for a second. But um, so if that's what it takes to win this game, then fine. But I also think the safety play for the Vikings is not great. I don't know that Andy Dalton can take advantage of that, but we'll see. Uh, what do you think about tomorrow game? Homecoming. Oh, I, I don't. I, I think it's going to be a tough chore for the. For, for for the Cajuns, I, I you know I, I don't like I said yesterday. I don't think there's a real okay. big football reason to think they're going to win this game. They're going to have to do really well in special teams, which which in my opinion cost them the game last week at Monroe, and 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 they're and they're going to have to force turnovers and take advantage of them because on the line of scrimmage they're they're at a deficit. Yeah, um, like I said, man, we, we'll see what happens Sunday. Uh, Eight thirty. Um, I just, I just hope the NFL gets rid of these, uh, these London games. I know it's not going to happen. You know, I know they're here to stay. Yeah, it's or awful. if if they if they do them, why not schedule teams? You know, since uh, since teams are playing, since they're playing seventeen games, why not just every team? You know, starting week one, just have a game in London for every week. Is that possible? Well, I don't know about the logistics of that, but it would be more fair than we're doing now. But what I like, I've always told you, the NFL has never cared about fair. They they just they're not about making things fair. It never have been. Yeah, I heard a caller say this, and it's unfortunate. Hello. Yes. I heard a caller say, "Oh, you know, I hear people saying, oh, you know, Bridgewater is going to start for Tua." Well, I think it's safe to say that uh, Bridgewater is going to start for Tua. You have a good one, and uh, thank you. Take care. Um, 
he better because, man, they – I I mean, to me, it makes more sense that Tua plays next week than played last night. Like, he got a concussion on Sun, or, or it seemed like he got a concussion, I should say, on Sunday, and he's playing in a Thursday game. I, I just – I just – I'll be surprised if he plays the next game, but I was—I'd be less surprised that he plays in the next game, to, compared to last night. It's Thursday. How can you play him on a Thursday when he had, when he's wobbling on the field on Sunday? I just—I just don't get that. I really, I really, really don't get that. But I guess it's possible. What we all saw was wrong. But like I said, that's a tough sale. I, I don't I don't see how that was wrong. I really don't. All right, let's go back to the game. Hotline, hello. How how what was wrong with the tour thing? Yes. What you mean you don't see how how what was wrong? Well, we all thought that he got a concussion like symptoms and they all said it was a ba- and the dolphins say it's a back injury. Yeah, but you come on, Kevin, look. You know that was a lie, man. I mean, come on. How long have we been going through this now? That's what I said. It's a tough sale. And everything. Come on. Yeah. I mean, look, you have to understand, man. And look, uh, I'm not saying that's exactly what's involved here, but this guy is playing for his career and playing for a contract and stuff like this. And now all of a sudden you're tossing in my day where he just banged up his head. Yeah, but if you really think base. he's that valuable, you're 3-0. and I mean, this this is a road game that's not even a division game. All games are important, but when you're 3-0, and it should give you a little bit of string to play with. I mean, it just didn't make any sense to put him out there last night. Exactly. That's my point. So, I mean, he just got his head busted, like I said, basically three days ago because Monday don't really count because you don't do anything on Monday. You kind of start your practice week on a Tuesday, correct? So, I mean, come on, man. And, you, and, and they basically stuck him back out there in the game, knowing that he's still concussed. But they holler about the back and everything. Now, everybody in their mama and their unborn children know, looking at him when he got up Sunday and everything, you know, it's not nothing wrong with the back. Cause he didn't get up like nothing was wrong with his back. He got up like Peter in his head. He shook his head two or three times, you know, and everything. Yeah, but, it's just. I mean, who are the coaches and who are these guys that's really in charge of this stuff? And who are, I mean, I well, don't know again, I don't think that's the coaches. Like a that's a medical thing, thing. Because why are you going to stick him out there and I you know mean. the man is already hurt? He's already concussed and banged up. And you're going to stick him out there. And look, I mentioned this also, okay? There's a lot of scumbags in the league, man. A lot of scumbags, players and stuff that try to hurt these guys on purpose. They go after these guys' heads. Some of these tackles that they make don't even have to make that. Now, I thought the tackle, what he did, what the guy did in the game last night, I thought that was supposed to be a legal tackle once the quarterback just wrapped up. I thought it was automatically dead. But they let the play continue and stuff, and they just slammed him to the ground. Now, you're the defender. As a man, you have to know these type of things also when you're playing a violent sport. It's a life and death sport out there. So, when you're just slamming guys to a brick wall floor, uh, ground, grass, basically a brick wall you're hitting, I mean, you got to know what's really going on, Cat. I mean, a lot of these guys do it on purpose. There's still a lot of headhunting in the league, still a lot of cheap shot artists and stuff that go, you know, people that does these things and does do it on purpose. But you can see some of the the body language of some of these guys after they do it, or you can see the way they go ahead and tackle them and they bring them to the ground and stuff. It don't happen just the quarterback. There's other players that, you know, get it too. But no, you're you're right. You're I mean, right. Nah, I, I I mean, most people don't think that. <laughs> I, 
I didn't hear anybody that thought that should have been a penalty last night. So I, I don't think that's I mean, a penalty. Why, I mean, why not? Why not? Just I because of the – if he'd have slammed Tom Brady down that way, that would have been a penalty. Yeah, man. Now, come possible. on, you know this that's already. That's possible. That's possible. You know this. You know this. If he would have slammed Rodgers or Brady down, or even the beloved Josh Allen, if he'd have slammed him down like that, you know that was a penalty because the rule supposedly states once he's grabbed, wrapped up, you can't do all that. Once you grab him, you got him in the ground. With... The ref's supposed to blow that dead anyway. Yeah, you I let don't... him get all the way around to where you slam him on his head? I think really? it was the body and the fact that he was already going in that direction. And I, I don't know. It just didn't look like a penalty play. But but I but I understand that's, that let, that's a penalty, man. Let, less has that's been a done penalty. to a quarterback and gotten a penalty before. That, that That's true. I mean, I don't know, man. Like I said, they put these guys' lives in jeopardy and stuff every week and stuff, and just it just certain teams and certain guys. I don't know, man. You get the short end of the stick every time, man. It's yeah. just something no, else. I, I, like, I, like I said, I wouldn't stick my guy out there like that, knowing that he got busted in the head Sunday and two days later get back I, I out there playing I, a game I, I agree. that you want to try to win. I just can't believe they did you know? that. But we're way overdue. i got to take a break. Thank you, Ron. Later, Kevin. Take care. We'll take a timeout, come back, shift gears to Cajun football with Gerald Broussard next. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Before we get to our special guest, I want to remind you about the Roberts Cove German Fest. Come celebrate German style and heritage at the Roberts Cole German Fest this Saturday and Sunday in rain, where there will be traditional German cuisine, music, dancing, cultural activities, a rice threshing demonstration. I have to say that real slow to get that right. Antique tractors. And you can take home a German cookbook from the gift shop. Kid-friendly event takes place this weekend. The St. Leo Catholic Church in Roberts Cove just off of Rain Exit 87 on I-10. For more information, visit robertscovegermanfest.com. All right, we have with us our friend Gerald Broussard. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. And uh, I was going to say in yourself, but you know I really don't mean that. So, no, I'm doing good. Yeah, we're just going to go past that this week. All right, so let's cut to the chase. Cajuns are playing homecoming, and there's several things that, against South Alabama, 4 o'clock tomorrow, Cajun feel uh, the, you know, one of the big topics of discussion from this past Saturday's game uh, in Monroe is the quarterback situation. So what I want to know, have you ever been on a coaching staff where you had a true two-quarterback system based by performance employed? Uh, do you consider what we're going through a two-quarterback system? And I guess once you answer that, then I'll be able to say yes or no. Well, I, I, I have been around two-quarterback systems, but they were true – uh, 1A, 1B, both equals as a quarterback. I've also been around systems similar to this. So, Well, I just think that this, was, this has been a scripted system from the beginning. But 
you know, while while everyone was like, oh, you can't pull him, you can't pull him. To me, if you pull him, then you start going down that performance road, and I don't know, I don't know. If there's a way to how, how do you keep that from going way far down that road? And for a, my here's my concern: when you have an offense that already struggles with having an, an identity, and you know they're struggling to run the ball, the passing game has been very inconsistent at times. Some of us from the quarterback, some of us from protection, some of us having way too many drops, you know, down the field. Then once you start doing this performance thing, and you don't, and everybody doesn't know who's going to be the who's going to be the quarterback for that series, then you then you have even less of an identity. So I just think that's a dangerous road to go down. Sure it is. And, and look, all people want is stability. And, and that's in everything we do and everything you do in life, uh, that, that you want stability and you want consistency. And sometimes it's just hard to have stability and consistency when there are, are several things that, that go on. You, you mentioned a lot of things right there that, that keep it, – it's more than just the quarterbacks. And I think you can control some of that to a certain extent, and some you can't. I think if either one of the quarterbacks was was playing uh, uh, so much better than the other one, then it may make it a difference. But I don't know that that I've seen that. And, and look, I'm not one that that you know. Some people you hear it all the time. She got two quarterbacks. She got none. Well, you may have none. I mean, and, and as opposed to two or three or whatever. You know, I think that you know with, with the quarterback, you're just trying to find somebody who gets your offense going. We've talked about the run game being the struggle. We've talked about some consistency catching the football. The, you know, if you look at this offense to this point, and I had to give a plus grade to any one position, the only position that I would say that's playing up to or exceeding what the expectations have been has probably been the tight end position. Other than that, I, I think everybody has left some room for desire for some uh, improvement and stuff like that. But that's 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 often the same on other cases too um and other teams too but but now i yeah i've been involved with it and and it, it's not a lot of fun um yeah i think back to the to the uh the chris mason brad mcguire time you know with the cages there and there's there a struggle for either one to be able to separate to establish themselves as a starting quarterback and i think that we're seeing some of that right now some of it is, is self-inflicted as, as the position guy himself some of it is, is is you know just not getting a lot of help from his friends and so this kind of I don't want to say it is what it is. I think that's a cop out, but it's a situation you're having to deal with right now and so you you just deal with it the best you can and look I admire what coach Daz is trying to do with it and his staff's trying to do it. He's just making the decisions that he thinks gives his op- his offense the best chance to move the football. Um and he's you know I don't want to say he he's uh he's not listening to it, but he hears the concerns. It's just that right now uh you know, he's just trying to do what he can to try and get the guys to move the football. But you, you mentioned Mason and uh, and McGuire, but the 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 problem to me to me it makes it even worse is that you, you're you're not even dealing with like a fastball curveball guy. You, you're dealing with two guys that are essentially the same quarterback. And so, you know, at least if you have, you know, well, one's a really a runner and the other one's a passer, you're maybe trying to do something here. I, I don't. Does it complicate it even worse that that they're essentially the same quarterback? No, it actually makes it easier for you. It makes it diff- also easier for your defense to to be able to defend because it doesn't matter if you're the defense. You don't care what quarterbacks in. 
you know, like Mason and McGuire, when Brad was in, we were going to run the football a little more quarterback heavy. Chris Mason threw the football a little bit more than, than Brad did and, and was more effective throwing the football than Brad was. Uh, so when Brad was in there, you almost had a wildcat defense, you know, that, that you would employ. These guys, they, they are very similar in what they do. But, but again, I, the only reason that, that you do in that is because you think that it gives you a better chance to move the football because, in, in your eyes, one of them hasn't really separated from the other one to where there is a, a, a drop-off when you change or make the change. And then, nor is it, and I say a drop-off, and it could be that they haven't had the success to separate themselves either. You know, I think that Chandler started out uh, playing very well at ULM. And then, you know, and, and I know a lot of people had concerns and, and critiques on, on changing uh, and bringing Ben in on the third series. You do that, and look, I understand. Go with gut, go with feel, go with hot hand. I understand all of that. A lot of times what you try and do during the game is take the feel and the emotion out of it by making as many decisions as you can up front or ahead of time. And so you try and stay by and live by. The other part of it is you don't want uh, – that's one decision that you – one less decision you have to think about at the time. Uh, and if you want to force yourself to get guys in, then you do that up front. You force that situation by making that situation in advance. All of that is, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty with it, and we, there, there's pluses and minuses about doing it both ways. I understand it from being in, in that situation, but you know, to, to, and I know I've been rambling about it, but but uh, you know, to answer your question to Rag, yeah, it is changed. You know, you got two and similar guys in there. But, you know, one maybe gives a little more of a running ability, but for the most part, they're interchangeable as to what you call or what you do or how you defend them, uh, but. You know, the situation is where it is. I think that, you know, it, 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 there, I could see pluses and minuses about doing it all the different ways. All right, so this team on paper is much better on the line of scrimmage, especially their defensive line, which has given up about 86 yards rushing a game to the Cajuns' offensive line, which hasn't really come together yet. So what do you do to try to overcome when you're just not as good on the line of scrimmage to try to win a game and cover that up a little bit. What, what can you do? So a lot of the things that they do, and you talk about the defensive line, it's more than the defensive line. It's it's the, the, the out-of-the-box players that play the run very well. It's the second-level player. And when I say out-of-the-box, they, they play the way they call their defense is they, they have a defensive tackle, a nose guard, and that's it that you see as traditional names. Then they have a bandit, a wolf, a husky, a stinger, uh, you know, they have a middle linebacker, a rover, and, and so they're bringing guys from, from, from that will line up outside the area that are more of a, you know, they're, they're bandits now are 6'2", 270 pounds, and 6'7", 250 pounds. So they're defensive linemen. But that becomes their third lineman. But then their, you know, their, their wolf is, is like a, a big linebacker, and their stinger is like a, a big linebacker, and then they, which could be Sam, Mike, and, and Will. Stinger, um, middle linebacker, or Wolf, but but their Huskies are like strong safeties or will linebackers. They bring people from all over with a lot of speed on there. And, and Kev, some people are going to read and react. Uh, what South Al does is they attack and react. They they hit things moving and running. They they try and press really hard to to force negative plays and. 
it makes it difficult for experienced offensive lines that are playing good. Uh, ones that are struggling like the Caves are right now, it makes it especially hard. What do you do for it? I mean, there are a lot of ways. It's hard to run the football without, you know, scheming or, or trying to get some kind of you want to you want to simplify what you do with give the illusion of, of complexity to your defense so you can confuse them without confusing yourself. Uh, you know, sometimes it's easier to use a, a gap scheme where you block down on the front side and bring somebody from the backside and pull. Sometimes it's easier when people are moving just to use a zone scheme, which everybody's playing to the front side. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to do it. Sometimes it's easier to put a play tag on everything, which, you know, I, I know Coach Des talks about it. There are a lot of decisions made by the quarterback before we ever say hike. And that's, you know, whether to hand the football off, whether to throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, whether to throw the ball downfield. That's all right as he's getting ready to say hut, and it's based on the alignment you get and the initial reaction you get from the defense. Uh, you know, all that builds into helping you run the football. It comes from everybody being able to execute that, too. I mean, you, your tight ends have got to be involved in the run blocking, which they're going to see a lot of different looks, too. If you want to throw a play tag on it, what you've done now is you've removed your receivers from blocking for the inside run game. Because now they are blocking you. One of them is, is blocking for the other one on the screen game. And so, it, yeah, I mean, and nothing is easy, but there are a lot of things you can do. It's just do you want to get into that, and it's all in what your team can handle. Um, you know, personally, I've, I've gone through it several different ways to, with, with inexperienced offensive lines. And, you know, a lot of times you say, oh, we got to simplify and then do what we do best. Well, when you're struggling – um, you know, it's hard to find what you do best. And the simpler you are, the more complex the guys in front of you can be. So do you really want to simplify? I know I'm not technically answering you because there is no easy answer. It just, it's yeah, not. Look, I, and I'm not talking about that silly handoff pass thing. I hate that play. I'm not talking about that. But don't you feel like one of the things that could be done that I don't know that the Cajuns have done enough is throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield and throw shorter, quicker passes to tight ends and backs and I guess receivers, but more tight ends and backs. Do you feel like they do enough of that for where, where it's essentially a run, but it's not really a run? Well, and we saw that this uh, ULM scored a touchdown. The score had a big, long pass play, which turned out to be a run because it was a lateral. Uh, you know, ball was thrown behind the line of scrimmage. And, right. yeah, they're behind the quarterback. And it was, it was a receiver that came in motion on orbit motion coming around that backside. He never actually got at quarterback level, so it was thrown behind him and turned out to be a running play for about 80. But, but uh, you know, yeah, you, you can do things, getting the ball to the tight end stuff to, to try and uh, – yeah, the quick game, the, the quick passing game is tends to be more beneficial to you being able to move the football if you're struggling running a football. I thought you were talking about how to run the football. And if you, and the pass will always help you run if you can't if you can execute the pass. Uh, you know they complement each other. They be in the pass and run. If the, the better you can run, a lot of times it helps you in the throw game. The better you can throw, a lot of times that's going to help you in the pass game because it removes people from the box that you don't have to block. And and you know the the quicker you can get rid of the football, well then you don't have to block them for as long. You know I know when. When I first got into coaching, we were running a lot of option, and you know, Barry Wilson and I used to laugh about it. We were trying to design the perfect play, which was a play where you didn't have to block anybody and still made, you know move the football, uh, which is why a lot of people use a, a, a triple option because you intentionally leave two people unblocked. 
And the harder they are to block, the easier they are to read. But that's not what the Cajuns do. We're not an option football team. And so that part of it makes it more difficult when you want to be able to run it. But, yeah, our tight ends are playing well. There are ways to get the football to the tight ends. But those same guys that we talked about uh, as far as the Stingers and the Wolves and the Bandits and the Huskies and all that kind of stuff, those are the box players that are involved in the underneath run uh, pass game as well as the, the run support stuff of it. So the more you can get them thinking, then the softer they are going to be on the run part of it. And, and you know, that – can be a benefit. It's uh, in other words, after all those words that were just spoken, the Cajuns have quite a chore in their hands, don't they, to try to win this game? They have quite a. They had quite a chore if they were going to be four and zero. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, look, this is a South Al team that that's uh, taking advantage of, of the the transfer portal uh, on both sides of the football. You know, five of their ten in the, in the offensive line, two deep are transfers. Their starting quarterback is a, is a transfer. Uh, they're bad. one of their tight ends is a transferred receiver. They have none, but uh, you know, defensively, their first level guys are up the two deep up front. They've only got one transfer, but in the second level guys, they got several as well. And look, they're good in the back too. This is a good football team, and it's going to be a chore. And it, the Cajuns have their work cut out for them. And that's whether or not, like I said, they were four and zero or two and two. This is a lot different team than than had the Cajuns. I, I mean, the, the Cajuns won the game last year, but it was only because South Al couldn't make a field goal. Yeah. All right. I appreciate your time as always. We'll see what happens. Thank you, sir. And please pray for me Sunday morning. You'll be all right. I always do, Kev. Somebody I, needs I it. need it. Yes. Yes. Please. Okay, pal. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I commented earlier, and I don't, I've said it many times too. Cajuns should have lost South Alabama. Cajuns should have blown out South Alabama last year. Really, they 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 outplayed them for way more minutes than they didn't. But after they blew the opportunity to win that game by double figures, then at the very end, South Alabama had a chip, not a chip shot, but close to a chip shot field goal to win it. So at the end, should they have won it? But the Cajuns actually outplayed South Alabama last year. But this matchup looks very different, very different on paper. Take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. Want to remind you if you would like to win 13th gate VIP tickets, you, this is another opportunity to do it. The 13th gate giveaway, or you simply need to join the Game Rewards Club, and you might win two VIP tickets at a 13th gate where you don't have to wait in line to scream and scare yourself on purpose. The 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to our man that hopefully can make me a little more sane than I was 20 seconds ago. Hello, sir. Kevin, I, I don't think that's uh, – I don't think I can help you with that, man. I, mm. You know, uh, I just uh, 
was wondering, I'll kind of take you back in on what Jay said earlier. There seems to be a lot of love today for Andy Dalton. Uh, what's the real turnaround? You just think that if Jameis is hurt, surely he should be playing Andy Dalton? Or uh, Well, Jameis hadn't the, practiced uh, all week. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm. I'm not an Andy Dalton fan at all. But I mean, you no. can't. You can't play him. He didn't practice all week. Right. And you can't play a man. Listen, if the man is injured, you know he he cannot play. I mean, surely uh, uh, a healthy Andy Dalton is going to be better than a very would appear to be a limited James Winston. You know, I'm no Andy Dalton fan either. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's uh, is an adequate backup, you know, for what you're looking for. For the NFL, he's a very adequate backup because he's he's had some level of success. But yeah, I mean, I just think that he's gonna. I mean, I don't Manny, know what he's Manny, do, th- 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 this is I what I'm hoping. That. There are elements of the. Uh, the good thing about this is Andy Dalton is total opposite of Jameis. Unlike the UL quarterback situation, so there are things that Jameis, whether he comes back healthy and become, or, or you know, if he if he plays, you know, for the rest of the season, or you know, second, there are things that he's got to get better at if this is going to work. And the things that he's got to get better at is what Andy Dalton does well. So hopefully, Andy Dalton can bring those into the offense. And, and, and become right. called more than they've been called, and that Jameis can execute it when he gets back. Yeah, and, and, and as, as Jay said, I, you know, I don't think that Andy Dalton is going to be launching 50, 60-yard bombs. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying they won't take any somewhat deep shot, but it's not going to be a big part of the repertoire with him in there. You know, I, I mean, it just it can't be so – I'm thinking that, like you said, maybe 41 will catch a few balls. He'll check down some. And the tight ends. I'm hoping he gets the tight ends more involved. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it'd be hard pressed the offense to be worse. But in in retrospect, you know, is Jameis going to get better by, you know, it's I know this. I know this. Will Lutz better kick the ball through the big H, that idiot. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that idiot not, Will Lutz. He better win. make some field goals. One of the biggest problems. Oh, that's ridiculous. Where are you going? Where are you going tonight, Kevin? Uh, I'm going to be at uh, Lafayette Christian tonight. Lafayette High in St. Martinville is the plan. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, it'll be lovely weather. I know you don't. Pay close attention to the weather, but boy, I'm a weather man, and uh, when it gets like this, it just invigorating. Makes you makes you want to run out to the stadium, Kevin. Pirates are gone. They got homecoming, so boys, a lot of man. How is Caden Campisi? Because that cat, you want to talk about hey, old? Listen. This cat is like Larry Zonka. Hey, listen, I I coached him over here at the little junior high where where we are, and and. Uh, Listen, he's a tough he's a tough cookie now, man. I can tell you, he man, he, he just runs a, and runs and runs. He, he took a beating. He had a serious bruise, side, you know, hip uh, after the first week. And listen, he just now they, they are starting to they're getting a little more involvement. Just very young. Kevin had a sophomore tailback, so he was uh, 
you know, very limited, but he's starting to get a little more from the tailback. So he cut down on his carries from 40 per week to about 30. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a tough dude, man. You know, he's just, a, he's just a typical old really good high school football player. Not super fast. I mean, he's a nice size, kid, strong, but uh, just loves to play the game, man, and won't, won't quit for anything, you know, so – yeah, it's uh, it's been a nice little turnaround. The co- young coaching staff, you know, I stay in contact with them. They owed to and had a rough trip to Berwick, but boy, they stuck with it and uh, really played. There, I, I was very surprised at the game last week. I was worried, very worried about rain, and uh, man, we played uh, a definitely hundred percent best game, you know. So. It's encouraging, encouraging. All right, All right th- thank you for the call. Have a great weekend. And- and uh, at 8.30, can you go be able to watch or what? Sunday morning. I don't know. I'm going to be watching the first half, and then I'll be at church after that. So it'll be a – I know, it, man. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm already neurotic enough right now with this stupid injuries and all this stuff. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I hate NASCAR. I just – I really, really, really hate NASCAR. I just – those, those – I know, Kevin. I know. Me. I know. I know. You all all right. right. Look, hang in there, man. Thank I'll you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. England. I mean, they don't even know anything about football. England. England. I mean, I, the officials could call anything. No one in the stands are going to even know what they're calling. They're playing in England. Just absolutely revolting. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about the Latin Music Fest in Lafayette. It will be from 4 to 10 p.m. on Saturday in Park International where you can experience family-friendly event which celebrates the bold tastes and sounds of the Latin culture. Admission is $10. Kids 12 and under are free. And Cuban superstar Sima Funk headlines the, high, the lineup of Latin artists. That's the Latin Music Festival, again, from 4 to 10 p.m. on Saturday at Park International in downtown Lafayette. For more information, visit festivalinternational.org. I know it's a huge football weekend, a huge weekend for the Saints, in England, huge weekend for the Cajuns. Homecoming, 4 p.m. game against South Alabama. Tomorrow at Cajun Field, LSU is playing an Auburn team that I, I really think they're going to – Auburn seems to be falling apart at the seams, and, and LSU seems to be steadying the, the, the situation. So that looks like it's going to be an All-American blowout. We'll see what happens. But there's also some important baseballs going to be played at the major league level. Uh, the biggest series, obviously, Mets versus Braves in Atlanta. Uh, they each have, what, six games left. The Braves, the Mets are one game up on the Braves and, as of now, on the tiebreaker. So if the Mets win one of the games, they, they're they essentially game and a half up on the Braves right now, essentially. And so, you know, if they win one game, they're going to leave this with the lead, and it's going to all they got to do is win out, and they and they win the division. Now, I say all they have to do, they, they could easily lose to the Nationals. Like we know that they could easily lose to the Nationals. 
But if they beat that, you know, they'll have they'll control their own destiny, as we say. If they win one of these three games, now if they get swept, then that, you know that the, it completely changes around. They'll be the you know the Braves will control their destiny if the Braves can sweep the Mets. We'll see how that gets played out. But also in the in the wild card race, the Phillies have really been struggling. And they are now just a half a game up. The Phillies are a half a game up on the Brewers for that final wild card spot. And the Padres are two and a half, two and a half up on the Phillies. And the American League side, <clears throat> the Mariners have been struggling, but so the Rays have lost their fair share games lately as well. So the Rays are now in that as of now in that third wild card spot. But they're five up on the Orioles. I mean, it would take it would take, you know, the just unbelievable. Like the the Rays would have to lose the rest of their games, and the and the Orioles would have to win the rest of their games. So I don't believe that's going to happen. So I think it's locked. It's just they're a half a game behind the Mariners. So we'll see who finishes first, second, or third. And they're two and at Mariners are two and a half behind the Jays in that um in that wild card. And that matters based on who you play. In, in, in the playoffs and who plays who and who plays at home and all that. So still somewhat on the line. Astros will be playing a three-game series again with the Rays starting tonight at home, and then they play the Phillies. So they could have something to do, the Astros anyway. And who makes the playoffs on one hand and then who finishes first, second, or third wild card on the other hand. Pins and needles, it's going to be not really an agonizing, a weekend filled with anxiety and please, 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 please. Boy, wouldn't it be refreshing if we had a glorious Monday morning? Man, would that be refreshing. Got so many different oars in the water here, and we'll see how it all plays out. All right, appreciate Gerald coming on. Appreciate Tom coming on, talking McNeese. Y'all have a nice, safe weekend.